Everybody, welcome to another installment of Show to Be with Mike G, the show of life, the show of tequila, the show of loving your community, loving Tewal, and working with purpose. Today's guest is the master distiller for Luna Azul Tequila, Mr. Francisco Quijano. He's recently in town. You know, this Heaven Hill team, they've got some amazing marks, and they've brought him into Austin, Texas to do a beautiful little happy hour at Las Perlas in Austin, Texas. So we sat down on that porch on a beautiful day, the birds chirping, talking about life, talking about Paul McCartney, and talking about how important it is to preserve the cultural impact and the tradition of tequila. You know, Francisco worked for a massive company. He is a very erudite. He's very academically sound. He's been through all aspects of this industry from the numbers and now in the lab producing tequila for Luna Azul. Great chat, wonderful human being, and I cannot wait to see him soon. So without further ado, I hope you guys enjoy this great chat with Francisco Quijano, Master Distiller for Luna Azul Tequila. Well, you know, I'm the kind of guy who works in a distillery um, every day. And uh, being here in Austin, in, in, in a market like this, is, is um, a fantastic in, in a way that, that I realized that uh, what we're doing down there in Mexico yeah. has a purpose. It uh, does. It's a mission. Uh, but that mission only comes uh, to light when you travel to, the, to a market like, like in Austin. Yeah. You see your products here. You see your, uh, um, the labels from uh, your neighbors and um, the shelf. Um, y- you see how uh, barmans and mixologists are working with, with your labels and yeah. with your uh, products. That, that is a great feeling. It's cool. It's kind of like your kid went off it's to college, like right? It's con- like connecting the, you know, the production stage yeah. with the market. Because, so, so you know, you were talking about being stuck in the, not stuck, but in the distillery, kind of in the lab, if you will. Is it yeah. nice to kind of just p- p- poke your head out every now and again and just talk to the people and drink with the people? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, I drive every, every day across the uh, tequila region watching that beautiful agave landscape. Yeah. But at some point, you need more than that. Yeah. You need the market. You need um, barmans. You need mixologists. You need to get to know the cocktails. You need to know what people is talking about, right. your products. So, so this is a great free feedback. I love to do the market, I, I, and I love Austin. Austin is authentic. Yeah, it <laughs> no is. No question about that. I've we seen crazy things in the city, <laughs> which, which I cannot replicate in any other markets across the U.S. It's a hodgepodge of people here, too. Yep. So many different backgrounds. And Austin is an old city, but the people that are here now, they haven't been here that long. So it's this point in time that's so interesting and so different. Yeah, yeah. I, I know it's an old city, you know, um, very active back in the uh, days of uh, the Civil War. Yeah. But for some reason, um, uh, when, when it comes to, you know, tasting our tequila products, and uh, the, the feeling is great in a sense that uh, most 
uh, people knowledgeable with our products. Yeah. It's trying to move away from the mainstream. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Sure. They're not bringing in those uh, commercial brands anymore. Yeah. They are giving giving a chance to those handcraft uh, products. They are giving a chance to those small batch products. It doesn't happen in every market across the U.S. Right. So Austin is... is <laughs> I did, we are, we, you know, we had it. We had all that stuff that's been established. But we're looking to identify something new to define us in a way that's kind of a product of technology because everybody's telling you how to think. You know, everybody's saying this is what you should buy. So something that's honest and has a clear voice rings very loudly with us here in Austin. It's an interesting thing. And agave, it's often kind of dishonest as an industry, isn't it? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You, you, you know, we have um, many products in Mexico, uh, Benga, produced and distilled out of um, agave, Yeah. many types of agave. Uh, we have come a long way uh, in terms of uh, quality. Sure. When I speak of quality, I speak of a good, clean destillate. Clean, yeah. We better do that. Yeah. We don't want to be messing with consumers anymore, you know, right. doing, y- you know, uh, guessing if yeah. it's going to be good or not. So, so our industry and uh, our tequila industry has come a long way in that regard, you know. We have a lot of... Um, global investors yeah. in our industry uh at the beginning that was kind of a a bad thing for me i i, I was struggling to you know understand w- why is it happening to my industry having sure. all these global names taking a stake in our industry now i realize that this is a good thing for us you know yeah because we better meet those global standards right. when it comes to the quality of the destillate because all the eyes are on the product right people are with discerning taste are that's one thing yeah and the other important thing we would better become a green industry yeah interesting thanks okay. thanks to those global standards right we, we have to think green from now on that's you know good. is that a pretty recent for that that's something that's emerged recently right as people do become more concerned about the environment exactly exactly yeah. so so yeah uh what does it mean to be producing a clean distillate, getting rid of uh, those bad alcohols, right, getting rid of those bad elements yeah. out of the process, um, do not care about the cost. Yeah. Um, if you become inefficient, that's fine. But at the end, you have to be honest and there are no shortcuts. You have to be distilling super clean. And you use the word inefficiencies which is a word that someone that's in engineering would use, that is someone who's determining processes, the leanness, yeah. these kinds of things. So the interesting thing for me when I've read about your work, there's the chapter with Salza as COO, obviously now with Tierras de Agave with Heaven Hill. But before all of this, you were a very educated and academic forward guy. Where did that emphasis on proper schooling come from? Was your father or your mother in in that I've been an engineer uh, for many years now, and uh, I guess I, I, I had a dream, believe it or not, when I was about your age, uh-huh. <laughs> when I was younger, to be running any type of a manufacturing facility, really, my own, you know, yeah, and to become an important, uh, you know, part of uh, that puzzle, right? So I spent a lot of uh, years working here, corporate there financial, mm-hmm. this and that, 
And, uh, you know, about eight, 18 years ago, I was invited to join Salsa Tequila, the tequila industry. Right. And I, I can tell you, I mean, that, that changed my whole life. That's you a know? high profile position as COO. Yeah, it, Did, it, it, it was not only a, a, a good position, it yeah. was one of the uh, top positions in our industry at that time. But, but, but on top of that, I mean, I was there running a distillery, doing, right. doing uh, industrial engineering, doing quality stuff, doing manufacturing, doing lean things. Yeah. And most of all, delivering for consumers, you know, yeah. filling orders in, you know. You got your keys to the kingdom. Yeah, way, right? I, was, I was lucky enough. Yeah. And, and then I switched to this, um, you know, small family-owned company, the Beckman family um, uh, uh, distillery, Tierra de Gaves. Yeah. I've been working with them for uh, 10 years now, and this is a dream for me. This is a dream. I mean, I, I get all the support from the family that I need. Yeah. I can waste a lot of uh, sugar. I can waste <laughs> a lot of agave to get right? every single liter of tequila. Because it's about great I don't juice, get right? a call of attention, you know that. Yeah, yeah. I can say that I use as much as 10 kilos of agave to get one liter of tequila. Right. Compared to you know the industry standards is is it's much much better than that. Right, right. Probably six or seven six or kilos seven, yeah. for the same liter. I can do many crazy things in my process, a small batch process yeah. that I can talk to, that I can you know share with my team down there. Yeah. I mean we can taste, we can touch, we can smell. Mm. Actually, we can stop the process if we don't like it. You know. See that's Pe nice. Picture that. Yeah. Picture that's that. Amazing. Which which is a complete, well. So so here's the question. So you know you have this high profile, internationally high profile. Yeah. At Salsa, but of course your level of involvement with the process is probably a little more removed, right? Yeah. But you understand, and you're working through the books, understanding yeah. profitability and stuff. You took kind of a, a a nice position now to go back into the community in a way. Go back into you know to be honest uh, you know w when I was uh, working for Salsa yeah. uh, I mean you know you had you have this pressure this yeah. this uh, you know thing coming from uh, the corporate um, you know um, clan right the uh, board right? Tel telling you about the, the cost issues and this and that when I joined Tierra de Gaves I I felt uh, completely free to do my own thing you yeah. know completely free to do my own process. I designed my own process uh, according to my mission in life, yeah. you know? Right, right. <laughs> uh, and the name is Luna Azul, of course, but, 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 but behind every Luna Azul bottle, I mean, you can see my, my way of uh, thinking about the way tequila should be produced, yeah. you know? So, so it, it's been a mission for me, and uh, I'm very happy with it. And um, I know there's a whole bunch of guys doing it like this nowadays. Right. Do you, do you find that there's a nice community of people that you can count on and learn from too? Oh yeah, yeah. there's there's a community of uh, distillers down there in the uh, Jalisco region. Mm -hmm. uh, many of them are very committed to the process, very committed to quality. Yeah, above you know, anything else, right? Yeah, they don't care about you know uh, fulfilling corporate standards. They don't care about becoming the cost efficient type of uh, right. company. You know. They just want to have a signature of, of their own yeah. in every bottle. See, you know? that's a beautiful sentiment because what does anybody ever want in life yeah. except something that represents them yeah. in an honest, in a transparent, in yeah. a pure way? So it seems like it took you a bit of a career. It took a while. It took, it took a while. A while. Um, uh, but again, um, 
I don't believe that uh, we are producing handcraft products at all. Mm -hmm. Don't get me wrong. We're producing small batch products. Mm. If you can tell the difference, um, that's important for consumers. So there's bound to be some automation when you talk about small batch, right? A little bit of an industrialized process, yeah. but a process where you control every batch. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Every single uh, variable, every single thing taking place across the uh, process, mm. it's under control. Handcraft products, I mean, they can be really good or really Very, bad. Sure. Really bad. And you, it's, know? you never I, know. I, it's I, almost exciting to I've know. I've what seen those. Yeah. There's no consistency. Sure. There's no um, measurement of those quality things that we should deliver yeah. to the market. So, again, uh, if, if, if I can classify our industry, our tequila industry, in the type of uh, producers, you have the very large distillers on right. one side, you have the one handcraft products on the other side, and in the middle, you have the small batch producers. I see. This okay. is where we are, you know? Yeah. The best of uh, both worlds. I like that. Reaching you, you into the past and reaching into the future. Yeah, a little right. bit of a it. A little bit <laughs> of both. Well, so this focus, you know, I, I think cause we, you're talking about going, growing up in Guadalajara, and... I guess we assume that everybody that's in the tequila industry, as a master distiller, no less, always wanted to do it. But is that the case for you? Were you always focused on the booze industry? Because you've got your MBA, which makes me think, you know, you had some other things in I your do, sight. I do. I, you, you know, in order to, you know, become and to be recognized as a master distiller, there's no academic uh, right. process. Um you just have to prove that you are able to distill your own batches according to your own standards. Right. And then you become a master distiller, you know. How long do you think that that term, now you've obviously put in decades into this industry, so it makes sense. But for folks that maybe are a little more green to it, do you think the term master distiller is used pretty liberally in this industry? It um, should be taken with a lot of uh, respect. Yeah. The main responsibility of a master distiller is not to be there hanging out with the market and <laughs> enjoying the party. Right. It's to make sure that we deliver good quality products, yeah. that we're not messing with consumers, that we are taking care of their own personal health, you know, distilling things that they can tolerate. Yeah. That's a lot of responsibility. It'll take for no less than 10 years you know, for the yeah. for the younger generation to think of uh, becoming a master distiller. I like that. Finally. Working every day right. in a distillery. Every day, spend at least 10 years. And it, it is a set of mind, you know. Yeah. You have to think of be, being very responsible for what you are creating every day, you sure. know. Because it's you don't know where that bottle will end up. It could be anywhere in the world now. Think of that. We're, we're producing uh, something for human consumption. Sure. Like food. Yeah, yeah. Like beverages. Same thing with tequila. It goes into your body. Right. I don't want to mess with that. <laughs> I don't want to be responsible for any bad feelings on sure. yours, you know. Well, that's, a, that's an interesting, that's a different shade of responsibility. Most distillers I yeah. talk about, they don't necessarily think about it. It's like, no, I don't want you to get hurt in this whole process. Yeah, I, yeah. I want to take care of uh, you, you know. Right. It's not only about the romantic, you know, side of our business. Sure. I'm distilling and aging. Right. And yes, I am a master distiller, but 
but what else you know yeah. you're you're responsible for many things that's many it. things every bottle millions of bottles that we you know ship to the market every year yeah every one of them every one of our single bottles it's my responsibility that's in front of our consumers you know i think that's a great responsibility they, they call it the fiduciary responsibility yeah. in the corporate world right but <laughs> yeah. you're saying for the consumers that you have that that obligation a mm -hmm. moral one in some sense so this relationship with tequila when as a as a child what was the family's kind of relationship with tequila is it something that's there everywhere from what i understand people drank more brandy in mexico than they did tequila when i was a college kid uh, brandy was mostly everything in mexico yeah tequila was not a good thing at that time i'm talking about the um, uh, 80s um, yeah. mid 80s it's a good time for um, things tequila was meant to be something with for um, construction workers we call them really? albañiles so so albañiles will be doing tequila whereas the rest of um, uh, the guys were will be doing brandy or rum oh wow okay eventually tequila start you know um, distilling with high quality products mm. I, I have to say that probably the, the very first brand who changed everything was Don Julio. Really? When the real Don Julio was alive, yeah. you know, the man. The man himself. The man. He decided that uh, I got to do something different, you know. I got to, you know, deliver high quality products. I, I, I don't like to hear those things, what they're talking about tequila, which is a bad product meant, meant uh, to be just for construction workers. Right. So the man created Don Julio, and ever since, tequila has come a long way in terms of uh, high-quality products. Today, tequila is about 40% of, of, of the market in Mexico, the spirits so, market. So internal Mexico A very, very strong number one category. Wow. Nothing to do with the brandy and the rums and the vodkas and yeah. the jeans. They are a very far away second place next to tequila. What do you, so what do you think, I, I think about a powerful man who wants to change the narrative of tequila. What do you think he was trying to prove? That Mexico can make amazing things for it any was about, person. It was about the ego. <laughs> the ego, my, my, name, right? my name is on the label. That's fair, yeah. So I, I better get it right. Ah, I better yeah. get it right. So he started doing small batch distillation. Forget about the large volumes. Right making a super clean distillate, removing those bad alcohols out of the process. Yeah. And eventually he, he did it. He did it. Does the, he he's it seems like he has a very big reputation and a very big To me, he's probably the most respected name in, in my industry. Wow. I, I, I like to have heroes sure. my, myself. I I, I I I cannot, you know, imagine my life without my heroes. Yeah. Don Julio is one of my heroes. Really? Did you ever get a chance to meet him? I, I, I know. Yeah. I did, I did, I did. And you know, I got a, a bottle with his own signature yeah. that he gave away to me. That happened about 15 years ago. Oh, wow. So so that that means a lot to me. That's a great thing. And where where is that bottle reside now? It's at home in Out my bar. Yeah. 1942 yeah. Don Julio Reserve. Oh, wow. Signed by the original Don Julio, the man. So so yeah, I, I, I have my heroes. And um, you, 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 you know, tequila is everywhere in Mexico. I mean, yeah. women, they do a lot of tequila. 
we we know it's about 50% of our business really is because of uh, the women and the girls yeah i didn't know that uh guys like me we usually do it neat no salt no lime no right. ice uh, women they will mix it with whatever they want to mix it with sure. they, they they play a lot of uh, you know cocktails and shakers and this and that yeah but tequila is everywhere in mexico it's in, it's part of our culture when I travel out there, when I represent the industry, when I was representing the uh, tequila chamber producers traveling across the world, mm -hmm. I would go like, uh, what do you do for life? Um, and I would answer, tequila. Oh, Mexico. <laughs> yeah. Or the other way around, you know? Yeah. Where do you come from? Mexico. Oh, tequila. Ah, so you see the connection. Sure. You, 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 Mexico you, means tequila and tequila means Mexico. They're synonymous. Did you find in that role, kind of as an ambassador of tequila, the category itself, that you, is there a responsibility to be eloquent, to be sophisticated? Oh, yeah. Because oh, you're on that global yeah. stage, right? Number one, you have to be knowledgeable. Yeah. You have to read a lot. Number two, you have to represent an industry, yeah. not just a couple of brands out there. Thousands, tens of thousands of people's working. Uh, number lives, three, right? you you have to be the face of um, um, you know the history of tequila, the culture of tequila, mm. the people working the land. You have to represent a lot of people in that in that role. You right. know, was there a lot of pressure for you to make sure that you got it right? It was a very fulfilling um, 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 time of my my life. You yeah. know, traveling across the world and speaking about tequila sure. and saying to the world, "Hey guys, look at us. We have a great product to right. offer you. This is a gift." From Mexico to the world, you know. Yeah. Give it a try, because so it was gr just great. It's very rewarding to pay homage back to the hometown. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Do you like that process of traveling for the brand, for the traveling for the category? I mean, you've got uh, four uh, kids uh, now. Uh, Is the wife uh, all right? Uh, with I you? can <laughs> say that I love to be in touch with the market. Yeah. But uh, now more than ever, uh, I love to be down there in my distillery. Yeah. Making sure that everything is okay, you know, taking right. care of uh, the very small details. Sure. I like to think of myself like a guy being great in the small things in life. Yeah, that's amazing. So, so yeah, I, I love to travel, yes, everyone loves to travel, but being there, isolated, yeah. and uh, getting romantic that's with the history, the process, and the culture, Yeah, that's your fa element, fascinating. Right? The lab. I always call it the lab. <laughs> but, you know, it's interesting is that a lot of the guys in the lab, they don't have the, the business acumen. They don't have the ability to communicate well yes. with large groups. Yes. So you have this nice mix. I mean, you could, as far as I see it, you're a great you, mix of all of those you, things. You, so you, you have to be, you know, totally focused on, on your industry. I was able to promote with my um, team of uh, tequila producers when I was representing the industry. I was able to promote the uh, tequila region yeah. as a World Heritage Site. That happened back in 2006. The UNESCO, which is the yeah. United Nations Educational and Scientific and Cultural Arm of uh, the United Nations, wow. listed the um, tequila region as a World Heritage Site. Wow. And uh, it was, this was just fantastic because there are many UNESCO uh, sites uh -huh. listed, but most of them, you know, are the pyramids and sure. the Eiffel Tower and the Coliseum and these kind of uh, sites. Yeah. 
when it comes to a landscape, when it comes to a cultural landscape, there are only four places in the world listed by UNESCO mm. as a heritage. And these are the rice terraces in the Philippines, uh -huh. vineyards in Portugal, tobacco plantations in Cuba, and now the agave fields in Mexico. Wow. We belong to a World Heritage Site. So picture that. That, that means that the world recognizes officially that we have a lot of traditions, yeah. more than 300 years of traditions here, people doing things exactly the same way as like their the ancestors. Yeah. No machinery, no automation, nothing changes in our agave landscape. Still the same way everywhere you go. So protecting so, and keeping so, it. So yeah. we're protecting it. We're getting assistance and we're getting funds from UNESCO to protect this. Really? And besides that, we can show off the world. Hey, here we are. Come on, come on, come and join us. You know. So it feels like the intentions you've had as a spokesman for tequila in Mexico have been very pure. It's been about preserving tradition, preserving the ecology. Preserving. Right. Preserving. So how do you feel about now, which is a very contentious time in tequila in terms of the cost of agave, how bad do you think the fakers and the people that just want to pillage and rape the land, how much are they really affecting? That is a good question. That's a good question. We have to take care of our land more and more every day. We have to, you know, engage with agriculture yeah. um, deeply. Deeply. That means becoming a sustainable farmer, becoming an organic farmer. We're working towards that direction. Yeah. We have to protect the species. I'm talking about the blue agave species. Right. We have to protect the uh, Mexican bats, which yes. pollinate from our agave plants. We have a long way to go. As long as we have this sense of, um, you know, um, responsibility... Right we will make it as an industry. So you think regardless of what maybe external entities or international entities want to just make money? To, to make it, to, to be very specific, we got to work with those international I see. companies for them to engage in this mission. And it takes a person it's, like you, doesn't it? It's not is an easy task. Yeah. We have to talk to the big names in our industry, in our global industry. Right. And to go with them and tell them, hey, you better watch out. This is a tequila region. Right. So you don't do stupid things here. You better <laughs> invest in this, in right. that, and in that. We're working on that. Do they feel open to the idea of investing, to improving, to giving back well, into the Well, I got to deal with a lot of uh, lawyers. Uh, yeah, I got to deal with uh, PR managers. Right. But uh, my, my goal is to deal with the main guys yeah. out there, you know. The ones that can really make a difference. Um, Everyone has a stake in, in our business. You, you, you name it, you know, the, the big names in our industry. Sure. We got to approach the number one decision makers and make, make them believe that this is a mission. They have to become sustainable when right. selling their brands and when marketing their products and that they would be better invest in the fields, not only in the brands. Just, right, you know right, the difference? Right. Absolutely. No, not money in marketing. Money on enough, the actual raw resources. Enough marketing. Yes, right, right. Now let's switch to the fields, to the people, to the sustainability yeah. projects and this and that. It's We're working on that. I, I, I would probably 
become an advocate, full-time advocate soon. Yeah. On well, that I, regard. I think that you having the formal education, the time in the distilleries, knowing both worlds, I think that is really the kind of personality and the kind of person that can make the impact. Because if you talk about the number one people, maybe they don't know what it even smells like to be in a distillery. Yes. Or to get your yes. arms sticky because you put them in the ferment, right? You, like you, <laughs> you just said it right. Let me, let me, let me tell you this. Today... We have a lot of um, people buying agave, yeah. corporate buyers, right? You know, which have never set foot in an agave field. You right. know, yeah. So they now we have a corporate buyer, you know, based out of Miami. There's another one based out of uh, Geneva in Switzerland. There's another one based out of uh, New York, and they are making decisions in in terms of uh, getting the agave, getting the sourcing of agave for their own brands. And I go, what? Wow. I, are you serious? You've never been into an agave field and, and, and you are an influencer in, in right. this and that and that? We're working in that regard. We're working in that regard. We're bringing them down. We're inviting them. We have this um, great, great institution, the Tequila Chamber Producers, uh -huh. where we gather every week, every month, and we discuss sustainability things, yeah. sustainability projects. So we want to bring those corporate buyers into our project. I mean, I, my jaws dropped. I didn't realize that they're from afar. Because <laughs> the fields are beautiful, for one. And you know something, Mike? You should be one of them. Yeah. Joining us down there. I, I absolutely Signing would. for this kind of a commitment sure. with, with our industry and work towards this, this mission, you know? Absolutely. I mean, you and I share a lot of academic common ground. Yeah. And I always felt that a very sound academic ground with multiple degrees, that would always make the message a little bit clearer yeah. to people when they, the big money people, you know, because yeah. they're investing us and someone like you going in and say, well, I was doing this, I was a C-level, yeah. you know, executive. It takes people like you and maybe yeah. it takes people like me too, to a lesser extent. So. Yeah, and we have, you know, a good number of... Um, Initiatives out there. I can speak of the uh, tequila, the interchange yeah, project um, founded by David Suru. I think it's a great, great initiative. But still, we need more muscle. Yes. yes. Still, we need more legs on those kind of uh, projects. More advocates, yeah. more voices, I, more influencers. You know what I mean? I think so. And I hope that with content in the digital world that I can help make sure that people are at least listening. There are some intricacies here that I don't think anyone's talked about, about the dynamic of people that aren't even in Mexico buying agave from Mexico. These are things, these are eye-opening things for me. I didn't even realize this. Now, this is how other business functions, sure. Yeah. You know, but not in tequila, yeah. right? It's got to be more pure. It has to be more honest and it simply yeah. is not in a lot of cases. Unlike, on, you know, unlike any other spirit out there, you know. Yeah. Think of uh, rum, mm. vodka, bourbon, scotch. Sure. Think of the uh, raw material. Right. It's always a phone call away, you know. Mm-hmm. Sugar cane. Mm-hmm. It's about a phone call away. Uh, uh, sorghum, rye. Yeah, corn. Oh, corn. Easily. Yeah. When it comes to tequila, you have to be engaged with agriculture and you have to be engaged with sustainability of the land yeah. and the people and the traditions you know so so this is important for corporate buyers this this is my message and this is my invitation join us in an effort to 
become sustainable, sustainable yeah. everywhere around, you know. Come down to Mexico, join us. I know you have a lot of uh, influence, a lot of uh, power, you know, but you're right. doing it the wrong way. <laughs> <laughs> well, take, you take see? it from you. You know. You know how to do it yeah. the right way. Yeah, yeah. So this, you know, I was thinking earlier, too, you've got three daughters and a son. And, <laughs> you know, Carlos has the same kind of dynamic where he has many daughters. When you're going to hang the gloves up, I don't know, 10 years, 20 years, and then you'll be a man of the people again fighting for tequila on a global stage. But do you have interest in getting one of the kids into the distillery to take it yeah, over? That, that's a very personal question. Yeah. So this is a very personal answer. Yes. Yeah. Uh, my son, he's uh, 19 years old. He's uh, just um, going into the engineering uh, school oh, great. in uh, Mexico, in Guadalajara. Yeah. And I have uh, my eyes on him, you know, <laughs> to well, you should, know, become right? the yeah. next, you know, master distiller for Luna Azul. He loves the process. He loves, loves the company. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's just a personal thought. But, but, but at the end, the, the one who should be leading, you know, the next generation should be number one, environmentally committed. Sure. Number two, technically well prepared. Right. But I'm looking forward to the next generation soon. Yeah. Is it? Does your son like tequila? Does he, he does. enjoy drinking with you? He does. Yeah. He does. He likes cocktails. Yeah. He would like to become a barman. I'm. I'm still struggling with that. <laughs> I'm not sure about that. But but eventually. Um, he would be joining our company, Tierra de Gaves, in the near future yeah. and start working from ground zero. Right. No, f no pulling any favors, right? He's got to right, do right. all of he it. He will be eventually uh, start working from ground zero, yeah. and, and uh, that's up to him, you know. But, but I like to think, to think that uh, this is all a family business. Sure. Did and your father have anything to do with the tequila no, industry? No. No. No, I, I really was, you know, lucky enough to meet the uh, Beckman family, the mm -hmm. owners of uh, Luna Azul and Tierra de Gaves, yeah. former owners of uh, Jose Cuervo. Ah. They sold their stake at Cuervo about 25 years ago. They kept the land, the agave oh, great. Yeah. Land, land. They've been growing agave for 60 years now. Wow. And they decided to build this uh, Lunasul Distillery only 12 years ago yeah. with, with a vision of uh, creating a small batch product, high quality tequila uh -huh. at an affordable price. So that's, you know... The so thing this is the family that I, that I represent, that's you know? Yeah. And uh, I love the family. I, I, I don't have any issues with the family. The only one issue is that uh, the succession plan is not very clear yet, ah. but uh, we're working on that. It's exciting to see what kinds of possibilities are there within the family. Mm -hmm. And the thing, you know, that, that, that having just audio never covers is the fact we've been sipping this Blanco for just over half an hour. And it's, I've had so, a good amount of time now to warm up to it and to see you and to see the animation in your face talking about this child of yours, yeah. Blanco. It's very lovely it's got depth and it's take a look at the, our blanco we pay a lot, a lot of attention to our blanco we make many things with our blanco this is our base destillate so this is the signature product of the house mm -hmm. and um, batch after batch um let me give you an example we taste every batch 
before bottling. Mm. Friday is tasting date in, in my distillery. Nine, member, nine, nine members in my tasting panel. Yeah. All of us, 35 tasters. We taste every batch and we measure 56 notes on a scale from zero to five out of every batch. Wow. Out of those 56 notes, we measure 10 defects. They should be zero. Sure. Always. You follow me? Yes. What is one of the most notable defects that you probably don't see, but that is Sour on the Sour milk. Sour milk. Rotten aromas. Gasoline. Gasoline, yeah. Metallic. Yeah. They should be zero. Interesting. So this is the kind of uh, things that you can do in a small batch process. Oh, Tasting cool. every batch before bottling. Yeah. I can speak of, uh, I have tasted every bottle out there in the market. Yeah. Me and my tasting panel. And we know what it is inside. Oh, you, you, you see? Yeah. So the question is, do we meet the standards? Yes. Okay. That's a proof for bottling. Yeah. Every batch. That's okay. There's no bottle out there without tasting. Yeah. That the panel has decided is oh, good yeah. enough. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So I, we were talking before we started recording to you about another passion of yours and something that is very, very ubiquitous in Mexico as well. Starting in San Luis Potosí, as you've mentioned. But... <laughs> Getting even more rugged, getting even more into the process. So mezcal is something potentially that you would like to create a label. This is a project which is on my list. This is part part of my uh, wish list, of course. Um, I'm I'm sharing this um, vision with the Beckmans, my my owners, and also with my U.S. partner, which is um, Heaven Hill Brands. Uh, I think uh, I'm doing the right things with them. But but my goal, my personal goal, is to produce uh, a super ultra small batch type of uh, mezcal out of uh, San Luis Potosí. Yeah. Why San Luis Potosí instead of, uh, you know, Oaxaca or Guerrero or Puebla? Because San Luis Potosí gave birth to mezcal. Mm. History will tell you that the very first mezcalería was constructed and designed in San Luis Potosí. Today, it is an abandoned hacienda. Yeah. It's called uh, Boca del Rio. So my, my goal is to, you know, approach that hacienda and the owners and to deliver the right energy. So, hey, guys, what about producing a, a mezcal, yeah. you know, just to commemorate the, the birth of a mezcal. Of mezcal is a category, yeah. We're working on that. That's a We're working on that. And the kind of incremental step is with the Luminoso? Is that what it's called? The the smoked Luna Azul that you guys work on? Lumoso yeah. is an alter- Lumoso, al- it. alternative. Uh, it's an option for uh, barmans and consumers. Mm. If they're not willing to pay that high price for mezcal, yeah. they can afford to pay Luna Azul El Lumoso, which is a smoky tequila produced the mezcal way yeah. in our tequila distillery. It's like it kind of made you curious. So I can challenge you, Mike, to do a blind taste yeah. with Elumoso against any good mezcal brand. You will not tell the difference which one is not a mezcal. Yeah. So, I, so we're happy with it. I, I like it because it was, you know, it's like a baby step towards the mezcal project. You integrate yeah. this thing that yeah. you understand with tequila and you're like, well, there's maybe a way to innovate. Just yeah. Slightly. And I got to tell you that Texas is our number one market for Elumoso. Ah. Well, we like smoky things. Yeah. We are yeah. that way. We're happy with that product. It's, it's, it's fun. Yeah, it's very cool. It's a fun product. You said it was only 2,000 cases, something like that? We did 2,000 cases, and they are sold out. We are planning for an, 
a, a, a future batch before the year end. Mm. So, so yeah, it's a I fun like product. That. I, I really found it interesting because it's a subdued smokiness, but it's still very clean. Yeah. Very palatable. All right, so I got two questions left for you. Yeah. This one, you know, I asked this of all the guests, and let's say we're sipping or you're sipping the, the, the Blanca Lunazul anywhere in the world at any bar. doesn't matter where. But you can sit there and have a sip of tequila with anyone, living or deceased. Who might you like to sit next to and have a conversation and a few sips with? Well, number one, probably I told you this before, I would like to be sipping with um, Don Julio. Yeah. The man. The man. And uh, sitting there, sipping and talking about, you know, his life and family things. Yeah. Uh, well, next, next to Don Julio, I got a lot of uh, heroes out there. Yeah, I like that music, concept of heroes. Music guys. Pl- yeah, please. Uh, I, I just saw a, a picture of a Paul McCartney yeah. in a National Geographic uh-huh. a month ago when he turned 75. You know what I did with that picture? What did you do? I reproduced that and I, I printed that in a large format and it's in my office. No kidding. Paul McCartney. Oh, man. I, if that means something to it you, does. I mean. Oh, of course, Paul. I, 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 I was I born in the 60s. Yeah. So. Paul's my always been my favorite. And he's still in very good shape. He and is. he's still a great good head song of hair. singer, you know. Sure. So, well, this, right, so this, the, is, this is the kind of guys that I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm really, really crazy about, you know. Oh, so, okay. So, this may be a difficult question because I'm a massive Beatles fan, massive Paul fan. <laughs> Do you have a favorite hard, harder Paul song? He does a lot of stuff that's very nice and poppy, but do you have something that's oh, a little more gritty for him a, that you it's like? It's a tough question. I sure. know. Uh, all of them, but but I can tell you, I mean, uh, one of my daughters got married about a year ago in Guadalajara. And um, the tradition in Mexico is that the father of the bride will um, be dancing with the bride right. the very first song in front of everyone. Yeah. So guess what? I chose Let It Be. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> I chose Beautiful. Let It Be. Yeah. And I danced that song with my daughter. Oh, wow. Uh, on a very significant moment in my life. That's beautiful. So that gives you an idea yeah. of, no, of what does. I think about the man. Oh, man. See, now now we're just going to have to go do karaoke this evening and sing a bunch <laughs> of stuff. <laughs> Revolver. And I've been listening to that the other day. Yeah. Well, so the last question I've got for you as a man of music, as a man with heroes, as a man of the agave industry... When you are setting, sunsetting, as they say, in your late 70s, where do you picture yourself in the world, huh. in your creative phase? Don't laugh at this, but I want to create uh, my own uh, foundation, my own trust, Yeah. Uh, with whatever the funds that I can allocate, doesn't matter. And I want to help, uh, you know, uh, mentally diseased people out there in my country, yeah. only in Mexico, you know, to make them feel that they are someone important to our society and that they have a dignity. Yeah. So this is Francisco's, uh, you know, humanitarian side. Sure. I, I want to have Francisco's foundation out there. Yeah. Uh, this is a dream that I share with my wife, and uh, 
I'm, I'm, you know, working very hard these days in my professional career, but if eventually I will, uh, you know, step down, and if it's possible, I will create a foundation yeah. myself, and, I uh, think and I will be inviting a lot of friends to share this uh, mission in However life. I can help. I think that's, that's what we need to do with our lives, oh, yeah. is we finally give back. Oh, yeah. We mentor, we give back oh, to yeah. the community. I gotta tell you something before we we um, say goodbye. Um, we have this um, cantarito, the Luna Azul cantarito, mm -hmm. which is a clay jar, which is you know something for doing tequila cocktails. Yeah, yeah. Very popular in Mexico. So the Luna Azul cantarito is produced down there in the state of Oaxaca. Uh -huh. You're familiar sure. with that uh, region. This is uh, southwestern Mexico, but it comes from um, sheltering health sheltering um, a house uh -huh. for mentally deceased people oh, so wow. we have 32 patients uh my wife and i we were you know part of that project we work with that house very mm. closely and uh we were able to uh set up this uh, workshop mm -hmm. for them and now they are producing the lunsul cantaritos with their own hands oh, wow. and they go like uh, uh, yeah uh, yeah uh, uh, uh. of course there's a supervisor and, sure. and this and that but uh, the cantaritos that you see across the U.S. as a POS for Luna Soul yeah. are produced by mentally diseased people coming from, number one, an, an extreme poverty environment. Sure. Right. Number two, a highly affected disease. Wow. So, so this is the kind of things that uh, you already started I, I love to engage. Yeah. I, I don't know why, but, but, oh, it's but I, love, I love to do, and I, I love to share this with your community. Yeah. I think this is a lovely thing. I, you know, I never know how these conversations will go, but I always know <laughs> that people are beautiful. They do amazing things. And what you're doing with the Luna Azul, the tequila is just delicious. And you're a beautiful person. The way that you're going to give back, I can't wait to talk to you again. Oh, man. And I, I hope we do that soon. For yeah, you'll, you'll be my guest soon in Guadalajara. It would be a pleasure. And I'll so. show you the, the real stuff. I'll yeah. show you the kitchen. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> the, the real thing. I do, yeah. I'll show, um, show, you, show you the people. You it's will love them. That's, it's amazing. So I'm so glad you're in Austin. You're heading back to town back to Mexico tomorrow in the morning but we've loved having you and thank you so much for sharing this time and sharing a great thank you Mike well. thank you thank you so much man you're welcome there we have it a statesman of Mexico an ambassador for tequila and a humanitarian himself Mr. Francisco Quijano the master distiller for Luna Azul tequila it was truly a pleasure to get to sit down with him and chat in the beautiful afternoon in Austin Texas I have to say that I feel very lucky I feel very privileged to be able to have this great time with these people, these remarkable minds, these compassionate men and women of this hospitality and spirits industry. I will not quit because these kinds of moments, especially with Francisco, hopefully someone who I can spend more time with down in Guadalajara, watch him make this beautiful, delicious Luna Azul tequila as well. I'm not going to quit. I'm going to keep doing it. So thanks to everybody for listening to Show to V with Mike G. No matter how many more intros, which I call interludes, you're seeking to write this weekend for the podcast, or if you're thinking, I don't know, man, Netflix is not as good as Hulu, maybe, right? Don't know. Please keep dancing.